Well, I can't remember exactly which. It was in that short period of time there, I met a little girl. She was 13. I was 16. And over the next four plus years, I grew to love this little girl. Didn't always know how great she was, but in November of 1958, I married her. And I know over the years it was pretty tough. Uh, the first year we uh, we were married in November, but I went into service in March. So I was gone for two months and she was able to come up to Denver when I got moved to there. And after that we had a year together and then we went. I went to Goose Bay, Labrador, and she stayed at her dad's house. So that was a 15-month jury attorney. But I really never, over those almost 57 years, it was about a month short of 57 years of being married, I didn't really give her a lot of thought how beautiful internally and externally this little girl was. Until um, that last couple of weeks, and Charnell pointed out, and I guess Daryl pointed out, Philippians 4.8. So turn to Philippians 4.8. I want to start this with that. Paul speaking to Philippians, the church of Philippians, but more so he's speaking to all of us. He's speaking to the church. Maybe he didn't see it in the future, but he's speaking to all all of us. He's speaking to the church worldwide. And he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. And so when I look at back at Charlotte, a lot of what she did was pretty truthful, especially when she did her studying. Whatsoever things are honest, and that was basically Charlotte's life. I know this is a little bit hard for me, but we'll get through it, I think. Whatsoever things are just, and she strived to be just in her life, or whatsoever things are pure, those things she worked at. Whatsoever things are lovely. She always looked for the beauty in things. You know, like they always say, you, you don't smell roses until they're not there. Whatsoever things are good report. And she basically had a good report. And whatsoever things are virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. And that, to me, as I look back over those years, was Charlotte. Unfortunately, I find myself falling short on that mark. Uh, it's easy to find yourself going the wrong direction to go back on to Philippians 4 and, and look into my life and see what, how I responded. Uh, I didn't respond to the things that Charlotte did. Which brought me to, to thinking about what I'm going to speak. The, ver- the title is The Virtuous Woman. Proverbs 31 and verse 10. Proverbs 31.10 Here, Solomon wrote, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? 
virtuous is a person having or showing a high moral standard. I look in my life and I think, I fall short on that mark. I don't know about you. But I can find that there are times that my moral standards are not as much as I thought my wife had had produced over the years of almost 62 years of, of liking her. But I want to look at it in another fashion here. Because for men, we find and we look for the the girl or the woman that's going to be of a very high standard, who has good high morals. But I want to point this to as what God is looking at, or more so what Emmanuel looks at. Because Emmanuel is looking for a virtuous woman. We as men, we see the beauty on the outside, and say, sometimes... They are very beautiful. But do we always look the right direction? Christ is looking at the church. We know in Hebrews uh, 12, 23, it points that out, that the general assembly, the church of the firstborn, that's who Christ is looking for the virtuous woman in. Ephesians 5 Verse 32 and 33. Here Paul again speaking to everybody. He's speaking to the church today because we know the Scriptures are written for us today. So here it says in verse 32, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. So the mystery is that Christ is looking for a virtuous woman And that woman is the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you, in particular, so love his wife, even as himself. And his wife see that she reverence her husband. So, yes, we have an example to live the right way, but we want to do it the way Christ wants us to do it. In verse 10 of Proverbs 31, it says, Who can find a virtuous woman? That's the question. Who's looking for a virtuous woman? Christ is looking at you. He's looking at the church today. And he wants to know, are you a virtuous woman? 1 Peter 3, verse 4. 1 Peter 3, 4. But let every... But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corrupted, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. So God is looking where? At your heart. He doesn't look as men look and say, oh, that's a spectacular, beautiful girl. But he goes beyond that. He looks at the heart because we know in Jeremiah 17.10, he says, the Lord searches the heart. Men are corrupt, but God looks at the heart. He tries your personality. He tries your mind. He tries to see what you're thinking about and what you're doing. 
So Christ is looking for a virtuous woman. In the Song of Solomon, verse 6, Song of Solomon, verse chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, Christ, who is really looking for a virtuous woman, says, There are three score queens and four score com- uh, concubines and vir- uh, virgins without number. So here he says, there's all these women. And we're talking about church people. We're talking about human beings here in God's sight. Thousands, millions of people. And he says in verse 9, My dove, my undefiled is but one. Christ wants a virtuous woman. He wants one that's undefiled. She is the only one of her mother. She is the choice one of her that bore her. The daughters saw her, blessed her. Yes, the queens and concubines, and they all praised her. Because here, the church, the bride of Christ, is a very spectacular person. She has a lot that God wants. We as people, human beings today, each and every one of us who have been called by God and now selected to be that bride, we have that opportunity to, in our life, somehow find that quality that God wants from us. Verse 10 goes on and says, For her price is far above rubies. In Matthew 13, it talks about something that God did. Matthew 13, verse 45. Christ, talking about the kingdom of God, says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. Think about that as Christ. He is the merchant. He is looking for goodly pearls. And when he found one pearl of a great price, ask yourself, am I that pearl? Am I the one that that the merchant who is Christ is going to go out and give everything for? And that's what he did. He gave up eternity, became a human being, because he saw this pearl the bride that he's going to marry. Not right then, but he saw it in the future. And he's looking at our minds and our hearts to see where we stand. And what did he do? He gave up eternity. He walked the earth, gave us the understanding of what he wants, and gave up everything for you. There are examples of the virtuous woman. You can look at and go back and read the life of of Ruth. What she was willing to give up. What she did in her life. And you can say, wow, maybe this is what God wants for me. Or maybe we can look at the life of Esther. She put her life on the line for her people. 
Another example was Sarah, who trusted God and reverenced her husband, but an example for us. And Rahab, who had a, I guess, a background that wasn't what you call the most upright person, but she believed God. And we find that she too, along with others, were in the line of Christ because of her actions. So here's the question today, another question. I ask myself, am I, and you ask yourself, are you as committed a bride, a committed a woman, as these that we have as, as examples? Would I be willing to give up my family, up my friends, my everything like Ruth did? She gave up everything because of her love and what she had learned about God and went with Naomi. So ask yourself, do I look like Ruth, Esther, Sarah, Rahab, or Mary, who became the, the physical mother of Christ? Is my commitment that high? When we find that God is looking for something more precious than rubies or diamonds or gold or silver, because those are only physical things. He wants more than that. In Proverbs 31, verse 11, the heart of her husband does safely trust in her. When I look at my life with Charlotte, she trusted in me. I made made him a lot of mistakes. I come up short a lot of times. But you know, she trusted me. Sometimes I wonder how much I trust God. And I want each one of us to think ourselves. Do I really trust God? Do I put that kind of commitment in my life that Others have. They have been an example for us. So her husband safely trusts in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. I could do a lot of things in my life and I made bad decisions. But you know, when I look back at Charlotte, she had a tendency to make all of them work you know, God calls us and, and gave us this understanding. He opened our minds that we should come out of the world and come to the desert. But do we, or have we left the world? Do we still have it, that, that desire? Do we still looking for gold and silver and, and rubies and diamonds? Because God's looking for a diamond and a ruby that is internal. She will do him no she will do him good, he goes on in verse twelve, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. I made a commitment one time in nineteen fifty eight to love this little girl and to 
do everything possible. And she made that commitment to me. And she did it. I made a decision once to quit the job I had. You know, it was tough. Because we had a good income. Had a nice house. We had four children or five children. No, maybe, maybe we had six or children at that time. You have six and one on the way. And yet, she didn't get upset. She didn't get bent out of shape. She didn't get angry and mad. And I know that's happened in past. When the husband seemingly doesn't make the decision that we think it ought to be made. That happens in God's church. Sometimes we don't think that God is guiding the decisions that are made. And so what do we do? Do we do like Charlotte did? Make it work? Help it to understand? She always did me good. Do we do that to the Christ, to our future husband, who's looking for a virtuous woman? Sometimes we don't do that. We get ourselves upset and think, I can do a better job than that. I would do a better job than that. Or would you? <laughs> would you? Charlotte never did me evil. But I have a son who had a wife who beat him because she didn't like what he did. I've known other men who beat their wives because they didn't do exactly I mean, down to the wire. I mean, I give you directions. You've got to do these things. And if you don't, then they, they come unglued and beat you to death or verbally kill you. I can remember one time telling my wife, I was taking a shower and, and it smelled bad in the bathroom. And I said to my wife, we can't, you know, you need to clean the bathroom. I mean, it's terrible. It's, I come home, I've worked all day. I come home, try to take a shower, and it just terrible smelling in there. And she said, I spent half the day. I cleaned it, made it spotless. So as I was taking a shower that evening, I said, it's the water. And I said, maybe we need to get something better to drink. <laughs> but I didn't beat her. She tried to comply with what I wanted, and she did. Good job. But we both were able to work that out and love each other and not fight. Why is it in the church of God, and I talk about the church worldwide, no matter where you go, if you don't do it my way, then they don't want you around. But is that Christ? Was that Christ's attitude? Christ had a better idea than that. Which makes me think right now. Turn over to Matthew. Because I was thinking about this this morning and praying about it. And, and uh, Christ, here in Matthew 5, tells us what He's looking for for in a virtuous woman, doesn't He? Verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What's your spirit? What kind of spirit do you have? You've got an outstanding spirit that you're strong and you've got to have it your way and you've got to do it. Or are you poor realizing that you need God's help? 
that without God working in you, you won't make it. Basically, I see that as people, we are poor in spirit because we don't have the faith and trust that it requires. Blessed are they that mourn. Do we look at what's happening in the church? No. This is a virtuous woman. She looks at what's happening worldwide, what's happened when worldwide fell apart, what's happening today. Do we cry internally? I know there's been times when I sit there and I think, all the problems in this world, the hatred, the the abuse on people. I mean, to some people, taking a life of another person doesn't mean anything to them. Just to be the guy in charge. Do you mourn for what happens in the wars and the tragedy of war or the millions of babies that are aborted because I want physical pleasure but I don't want the responsibilities. And so they dump babies. I mean, it's just like just throwing trash out. Blessed are the meek. You know, a meek person, he'll sit back and say, I really am dumb. I want to be... I want to be trained. So meekness is you're willing to be educated. You're willing to accept what God has to teach us. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. That is an individual who has to have God teaching you every day. He needs your You need His help. You need Him daily. So like Daryl brought out in the, in the opening prayer, we need the Sabbath. It teaches us God's creation, but it teaches us that we need God. And we look forward to a time when there will be peace on the earth. So are we really hungered if we had no food? And I read the reports on the internet and how they talk on when the dollar crashes, food will stop because transportation stops. And Walmart has three days of food left. And then the people begin to seek out food and they will do anything to get food. They really will strive to get food. We need spiritual food. Is that, is that our heart? Blessed are the merciful. Sometimes it's hard to forgive. But Christ says His mercy never ends. We go through Ezekiel and we see where we can be the most self-righteous individual but it gets down to the end and we make one mistake. God says that's tough. Or you can strive to do what's right and keep going the right way or you can be be stumbling along and come in at the last minute and turn around and God will forgive you. Are we merciful? Do we look back and say, 
I forgive you. I looked at Matthew 18 and said, you know, Matthew 18 in reality is mercy. It's not a club to beat somebody to death, but it's, it's showing mercy. I forgive you. Christ said to, to the disciples, you have to forgive your brother or sister 490 times every day. I mean, you'd be forgiving all the time. Sometimes we can't forgive last minute or, or two days ago or a month ago or whatever. How about being pure in heart? What's your heart like? Is your heart the way Christ wants? How pure is your heart? And are you a peacemaker? So yes, you take Matthew 18 again. It is striving diligently to make peace. And it's hard. Sometimes you have to say, I'm sorry. Sometimes you have to take it on the chin. You know, Christ said, if you, rather than to be go to court, He said, give. Forgive. Give. Whatever it takes to have peace. And that becomes a very difficult thing for each one of us. So, do we do good? Here's a, there's a layout of a virtuous woman. What is your heart? What is your mindset? What are you striving for? God is looking, Christ is looking for a spectacular, beautiful person. How do you fit in? Let's go back now to Hebrews 11. I didn't have this in my note, but I did have Hebrews 11. We'll start in Hebrews 11. She will do good and, no, and not evil all the days of her life. Verse 4, it says, By faith Abraham, I mean Abel, offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. You know these boys were. They're not boys, they were men. They knew what to give God. They had sacrificed before this by which he, Abel, obtained witness that he was righteous because he knew what God wanted and he did that. He didn't balk. Cain, apparently, didn't do what God wanted. An example for us. Five, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. I wonder, to me it seems that God knew what was happening. He told Enoch what was happening. You know what was going to happen for us? We're told. We're told what's going to happen. Only a hundred million people will live out of what? Six billion people? Are you going to see death? You don't want to, do you? You don't want to see people starving. People that are living around us here are living in this state, living in this nation, 
millions and millions are going to die. I can understand that Enoch walked with God and God wasn't going to allow him to see the billions that had to die at that time or millions or whatever there was at that time. Enoch pleased God. In your life, do you please God? Do you as a person, can you say, I live my life and God is pleased with me? Well, I can't say that 100%. I try to please God, but I'm a human. No no excuse. Uh, I, I need help too. I need prayers, and I'm sure each one of you need prayers. Because you walk this earth too. And we are faced with things that the people of, of the time of, you know, look back at the days of Christ, they didn't face. We have things thrown at us, and we are attacked as we get closer to the return of Christ. We are under more attack than anybody else. He's not attacking the world. He's attacking those that are striving to be the bride of Christ. Those that are to be a virtuous woman. It goes on to say in verse 6, but without faith it's impossible to please Him. You understand that? Without complete trust in God, you're not going to please God. You're going to have a difficulty if you can't totally turn your life over and please Him on what He says to do. For he that comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He's promised us. That's a promise. That He's going to reward you with eternal life to be the bride of Christ But you have to diligently seek Him. Not just haphazard. It's easy to to get up and say, Oh, I've got this to do today and that to do and forget. Forget to seek God. Like it said there, hunger and thirst for righteousness. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Righteousness, which is by faith. So again, faith is required for righteousness. But think about Noah. How long did it take him to build that boat or ark? The biggest thing created at that time by a man. Did it take him 10 years, 20 years, 100 years? He had to cut the trees and make the logs into to boards. He had to do all of that. And, and it took time. And yet, it didn't rain. At that time, there wasn't rain. They didn't know what rain was. God watered everything from the ground. And so he struggled. Did he give up? 
What about us? Because we have been told that the world is going to be destroyed, have you, in your life, said, oh well, my Lord delays His coming. We might not say that outwardly, but our actions become that way. Noah didn't do that. Noah didn't. Noah then became an example of a virtuous woman. He stayed with it. And what happened? He saved his life, his wife's life, his three sons and his three daughters, daughter-in-laws. We have that opportunity to we see what's happening and God tells us that He will protect our children. But it's going to require us as people to have the faith and the trust in God and not to be so discouraged that we just walk away. It's just, we, we, we lack that, that faith sometimes to do that. So Noah didn't walk away. Noah kept at it day after day, week after week, year after year, until he completed it. And sometimes you say, I don't see it. Now I've heard, you know, Daryl's preaching and talking and his excitement toward the return of Christ to the taking you to your place of safety. And, and his, his excitement is there is my excitement there. Do I have that same excitement? Or do, you, do I get to that point to say, well, uh, we thought it was going to happen in the next year or two. And I know Daryl preached those things and said in the next year or two or three or four. Do we then sit back and say, well, it didn't happen, it didn't happen, and, and things are gone. There is no change. I don't see the dollar bill collapsing. I don't see the enemy coming against this nation. We can be discouraged. We can lose hope and faith. But God has made a promise to us that He will do it. In Ezekiel 12, He says, Son of man, what is this proverb that you have in the land of Israel saying, this is Ezekiel 12:22, the days are prolonged and every vision fails. <laughs> it's nothing new, is it? Here Ezekiel was saying, this is what we have. We have this in the church. I can tell you that I hear, I've seen that in the church today. We said, what is this proverb that the visions have failed. Yeah, we heard that we're going to be taken to a place of safety and we heard the nation's going to collapse and we've heard the financial thing's going to happen. But I look out here in the day and I see they're still building and their money's increasing and, and people are just going about and they're all saying, peace, peace. But there is no peace. Tell them 
verse 23, therefore, thus says the eternal God, I will make this proverb to cease, and they shall no more use the proverbs in Israel. But say unto them, the days are at hand, and the effects of the vision, of every vision, it is going to happen. So here, we would like to be virtuous women to be born into that family to be there when that last trump happens. You know, that the trump shall sound and those that are set before us, people with the quality and character that God was looking for are going to be raised to life. And then I say to myself, Will I see them raised and meet them and I stay here? I don't change. Am I truly a virtuous woman? Is my heart what God's heart is? 24. For there shall be no more any uh, vain visions nor flattering divisions within the house of Israel. For I am the Lord, the Creator God, shall come to pass, and it shall be no more prolonged. For in your days, O rebellious, O rebellious house, I will say the words and will perform it, says the Almighty God. The Creator, the one that has formed heaven and earth, it is going to happen. Do you want to be that person that watches it happens and goes into the tribulation, or are you the virtuous woman? Are you following what it says there in Matthew five? Second Peter three. Second Peter three. Second Peter three verse three. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. Think about this. Here it's foretold to us. Scoffers walking after their own desires, their lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Have you heard that at all? Maybe not the words, but the actions. The heart that people sit there and their actions say, I don't see it happening. I don't see the promise of going to a place of safety. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the from the beginning of the creation. So, we become laxed in our faith and our judgment. Did a virtuous woman look at that that way? Did Noah say, (laughs) I've been working on this boat for 30 years and seen a drop of rain yet. I've been working on this boat for 50 years and nothing's happened. I've seen 
people in the church of God, and I've been in the, God, in the church of God for over 50 years, and I've seen people say, eh, i got time. I've got time to change. I know where to go. Or, it didn't happen that way. I was there in 64, 65. I was there in 72 and we thought Christ would return. But then when you look around, it couldn't come yet because things haven't happened. In 82, 92, watched the church come apart. And now I've heard over the past 15 years, we're going to a place of safety and now this is the time to, to get yourself ready. In 1979, Herbert Armstrong said to the ministry, Get the church ready. Paul in, in Hebrews 5 said, I come here to bring you more strong meat to help you get ready. And they, you're not ready. And I've seen that in my life in the church happen also where it said, Here's the strong meat. Man, I'm not ready for it. I, I want to get back. I want to go back and hear the good, smooth things. We don't have time. If you're a virtuous woman, you don't have time to sit back and and lollygag around and think, "Well, I got time." No, you don't have time for this. They willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth stood out of the waters and in the waters. I've heard scientists say it's impossible. I've heard one man say that the only place that was flooded was up in Cedar City. But I know enough about uh, geology and stuff, which is very little, that the earth sits on a floating crust, the oceans which cover two-thirds of this planet are deeper than the tallest mountains. So what would it be for God to sink the earth down, bring the waters up? Pretty easy. A God who could create. You think that doesn't happen? I lived in Houston. And in the period of time I lived there, the whole city sunk three feet because they pumped all the water out from underneath it. So could it happen that the earth could go down and the water should come back up? Yeah, I think it could. So we sometimes don't look at God and His capabilities. Back in Hebrews 11, verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, went out, not knowing where he went. And you know, he didn't even get the place. Abraham didn't get the land. But he trusted God. He believed that his family would inherit the land. Where's our faith? To be a virtuous woman, you better have a lot more faith than what's portrayed most of the time in our life. Verse 13 says, And all died in faith, 
all the people that we hear in in Hebrews 11 died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off. Do you? God's promised you, if you will be a virtuous woman, you will be with Christ always as the bride. You will be able to help and make things work God's way. Because you will love Him. He doesn't want any more Satans. He wants a virtuous woman who will always do good and never do evil. So they saw it afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. There's a lot here, a lot for us to think about. You go on through the rest of it, you know, Moses was, he left, Moses left everything. He was, as a king, Moses, he had everything. Best cars, best food, everything. Of course, I know he had, he had chariots. But look at us today in in our relationship. Moses had uh, Lamborghinis. He didn't have a cheap Ford. He had a Lamborghini. He had an airplane, jet. He had the best of everything. And he gave all that up because God told him, I have something better for you. And so he worked at being a bride, a virtuous woman. He gave it up, walked with God. Forty years he went out and spent. I'll give you everything. Spent another 40 years out there running sheep. And then he had the job of running people for 40 years. It's tough. Uh, you look at the president of this country. He went in there with nice dark black hair in seven years, or I think it's seven years, he's gray-headed because leading people is a terribly hard job. It is because nobody believes you. (laughs) They always want to find your faults. They want to look into your past. Well, you know, I just, I was thinking there this morning. If I was a boisterous person, I would push my ways and do all these things. That way I don't have to look at myself. Because if I stop and look in my life and say, am I a virtuous woman? How about Matthew 5, 6, and 7? How do I fit that? Do I fall short on anything? Well, when I look at that, I find I fall short on a lot of things. When I go back and look at Philippians 4.8, I find I look, I, I fall short on an awful lot. But if I can push my way, then I don't have to look at me. And sometimes that's what we do. We want to push our ideas, our, our ways, and that's why I don't have to look at me. I don't have to examine my life. But God wants you to examine your life because He wants you to be a virtuous woman.
it's, it's a reality that we have to live by. When you go through back in Proverbs 31, let's finish up in verse 39 of Hebrews 11 says, And these all having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise. So all the people that God lists in Hebrews 11 love God. These are examples of a virtuous woman. And God allows it to be here for us to look back at what He wants for me or for you. And these people, they never received what God promised to them. They're sleeping right now. But it is coming, and they will receive it. God is true. So go back to Hebrews, I mean to Psalms, uh, Proverbs 31. Read through that. The whole structure that's given there. A virtuous woman is one her husband and kids praise her. A virtuous woman, her husband will praise her for what she does. She's a spectacular beauty. The world mocks biblical virtuous women because here's a person that's trying to live a godlike personality. But in God's sight, they are truly honored. A virtuous woman is beautiful, caring, reliable, trustworthy. She doesn't go out there and nag. She doesn't commit adultery. She doesn't slander somebody else. She doesn't find fault with another person. She doesn't belittle. She doesn't steal. You know, the Ten Commandments. She lives by the Ten Commandments. But she always does good to her husband. She is an awesome helper. When I look at Charlotte's life, she was an awesome helper. That was basically what Charlotte was to me. Her beauty of the, the virtuous woman is, is worth and beauty. It's her worth. It's who she is. It's what she's made up of. It's not just her outward appearance. It's what's in her heart. You know people that are beautiful inside and outside. Sometimes we see people that are not so, what we'd say, uh, the ones are going to be the Miss Universe or Miss United States because they're outward beauty. No. The real beautiful, virtuous woman is one who is beauty inside. It's one you can trust. It's one you can rely on. It's one who will help you in all times. 
So, I'm going to end by asking you to do something. This week, I would like each one of us to finish reading Proverbs 31, verse by verse. Sit back, ask yourself every question, every verse, is this me or what do I need to change? There's a lot in Proverbs 31, but you as a person need to find out, is that who I am? Do I please God this way? Do I go out and, and buy the things for the, for the family? Do I help and help people around? How do I fit as an individual in Proverbs 31? And then, if you have time, go back to Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and ask the same questions. Do I mourn? Do I seek peace? Do I want God's help? Do I find fault or not find fault? You know, Matthew 7 says, you don't judge another person until you take the log out of your life. I say to God in the mornings, because I look at who I am, and I say, please help me, God, because my sins are in my head my sins are there in front of me every day. And I know he's wiped them out. But I want to be like David said, clean me up. Wash me. Make me white. Because I too, like each one of you, and I want each one of you to be a virtuous woman too. So, that's a request. You don't have to do it. But I think it would be great and bring more peace and more love and more compassion if we could each one find in our heart to say, I want to be a virtuous bride. I want to be that pearl of great price that Christ died for.